Wakiwa's Eagle by James Buckham. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. Wakiwa's Eagle by James Buckham. One day, when the Indian boy Wakiwa was hunting along the mountainside, he found a young eagle with a broken wing lying at the base of a cliff. The bird had fallen from an eyrie on a ledge high above, and being too young to fly, had fluttered down the cliff and injured itself so severely that it was likely to die. When Wakiwa saw it, he was about to drive one of his sharp arrows through its body, for the passion of the hunter was strong in him, and the eagle plunders many a fine fish from the Indian's drying frame. But a gentler impulse came to him as he saw the young bird quivering with pain and fright at his feet, and he slowly unbent his bow, put the arrow in his quiver, and stooped over the panting eaglet. For fully a minute the wild eyes of the wounded bird and the eyes of the Indian boy, growing gentler and softer as he gazed, looked into one another. Then the struggling and panting of the young eagle ceased. The wild, frightened look passed out of its eyes, and it suffered Wakiwa to pass his hand gently over its ruffled and draggled feathers. The fierce instinct to fight, to defend its threatened life, yielded to the charm of the tenderness and pity expressed in the boy's eyes, and from that moment Wakiwa and the eagle were friends. Wakiwa went slowly home to his father's lodge, bearing the wounded eaglet in his arms. He carried it so gently that the broken wing gave no twinge of pain, and the bird lay perfectly still, never offering to strike with its sharp beak the hands that clasped it. Warming some water over the fire at the lodge, Wakiwa bathed the broken wing of the eagle and bound it up with soft strips of skin. Then he made a nest of ferns and grass inside the lodge and laid the bird in it. The boy's mother looked on with shining eyes. Her heart was very tender. From girlhood she had loved all the creatures of the woods, and it pleased her to see some of her own gentle spirit waking in the boy. When Wakiwa's father returned from hunting, he would have caught up the young eagle and wrung its neck. But the boy pleaded with him so eagerly, stooping over the captive and defending it with his small hands, that the stern warrior laughed and called him his little squaw-heart. Keep it, then, he said, and nurse it until it is well. But then you must let it go, for we will not raise up a thief in the lodges. So Wakewa promised that when the eagle's wing was healed and grown so that it could fly, he would carry it forth and give it its freedom. It was a month, or, as the Indians say, a moon, before the young eagle's wing had fully mended, and the bird was old enough and strong enough to fly. And in the meantime, Wakewa cared for it and fed it daily, and the friendship between the boy and the bird grew very strong, but at last the time came when the willing captive must be freed. So Wakiwa carried it far away from the Indian lodges, where none of the young braves might see it hovering and be tempted to shoot their arrows at it, and there he let it go. 
The young eagle rose toward the sky in great circles, rejoicing in its freedom and its strange new power of flight. But when Wakiwa began to move away from the spot, it came swooping down again, and all day long it followed him through the woods as he hunted. At dusk, when Wakiwa shaped his course for the Indian lodges, the eagle would have accompanied him. But the boy suddenly slipped into a hollow tree and hid, and after a long time the eagle stopped sweeping about in search of him and flew slowly and sadly away. Summer passed, and then winter, and spring came again, with its flowers and birds and swarming fish in the lakes and streams. Then it was that all the Indians, old and young, braves and squaws, pushed their light canoes out from ashore, and with spear and hook waged pleasant war against the salmon and the red-spotted trout. After winter's long imprisonment, it was such a joy to toss in the sunshine and the warm wind and catch savory fish to take the place of dried meats and corn. Above the great falls of the Apahoque, the salmon sported in the cool swinging current, darting under the lee of the rocks and leaping full length in the clear spring air. Nowhere else were such salmon to be speared as those which lay among the riffles at the head of the Apahoki rapids, but only the most daring braves ventured to seek them there, for the current was strong, and should a light canoe once pass the danger point and get caught in the rush of the rapids, nothing could save it from going over the roaring falls. Very early, in the morning of a clear April day, just as the sun was rising splendidly over the mountains, Wakiwa launched his canoe a half mile above the rapids of the Apahoki, and floated downward, spear in hand, among the salmon riffles. He was the only one of the Indian lads who dared fish above the falls. But he had been there often, and never yet had his watchful eye and his strong paddle suffered the current to carry his canoe beyond the danger point. This morning he was alone on the river, having risen long before daylight to be first at the sport. The riffles were full of salmon, big, lusty fellows who glided about the canoe on every side in an endless silver stream. Wakiwa plunged his spear right and left and tossed one glittering victim after another into the bark canoe. So absorbed in the sport was he that for once he did not notice when the head of the rapids was reached and the canoe began to glide more swiftly among the rocks. But suddenly he looked up, caught his paddle, and dipped it wildly in the swirling water. The canoe swung sidewise, shivered, held its own against the torrent, and then, slowly, inch by inch, began to creep upstream toward the shore. But suddenly there was a loud, cruel snap, and the paddle parted in the boy's hands, broken just above the blade. Wakewa gave a cry of despairing agony. Then he bent to the gunwale of his canoe, and with the shattered blade fought desperately against the current. But it was useless. The racing torrent swept him downward. The hungry falls roared tauntingly in his ears. Then the Indian boy knelt calmly upright in the canoe, facing the mist of the falls, and folded his arms. His young face was stern and lofty. He had lived like a brave hitherto. Now he would die like one.
Faster and faster sped the doomed canoe toward the great cataract. The black rocks glided away on either side like phantoms. The roar of the terrible waters became like thunder in the boy's ears, but still he gazed calmly and sternly ahead, facing his fate as a brave Indian should. At last he began to chant the death song, which he had learned from the older braves. In a few moments all would be over, but he would come before the great spirit with a fearless hymn upon his lips. Suddenly a shadow fell across the canoe. Wakiwa lifted his eyes and saw a great eagle hovering over with dangling legs and a spread of wings that blotted out the sun. Once more the eyes of the Indian boy and the eagle met, and now it was the eagle who was the master. With a glad cry, the Indian boy stood up in his canoe, and the eagle hovered lower. Now the canoe tossed up on that great swelling wave that climbs to the cataract's edge, and the boy lifted his hands and caught the legs of the eagle. The next moment he looked down into the awful gulf of waters from its very verge. The canoe was snatched from beneath him and plunged down the black wall of the cataract. But he and the struggling eagle were floating outward and downward through the cloud of mist. The cataract roared terribly, like a wild beast robbed of its prey. The spray beat and blinded. The air rushed upward as they fell, but the eagle struggled on with his burden. He fought his way out of the mist and the flying spray. His great wings threshed the air with a whistling sound. Down, down they sank, the boy and the eagle, but ever farther from the precipice of water and the boiling whirlpool below. At length, with a fluttering plunge, the eagle dropped on a sandbar below the whirlpool, and he and the Indian boy lay there a minute, breathless and exhausted. Then the eagle slowly lifted himself, took the air under his free wings, and soared away, while the Indian boy knelt on the sand, with shining eyes, following the great bird, till he had faded into the gray of the cliffs. End of Wakiwa's Eagle by James Buckham